0: Hey everybody, Meg here. I am so excited for our guest this week. We had David Race. He's super accomplished. He's been in radio for more than 10 years. He's been all over the place. He's been on the Howard Stern Show, Jimmy Kimmel Live, SiriusXM XM Radio's Raw Dog stand-up comedy channel. And on top of that, he is currently the creator and host of the hit podcast Monstrosity with David Race. It's an awesome podcast. He has celebrities come on and just talk about their lives. Sometimes they get into the spooky stuff. And then they ha- he has some, some paranormal celebrities on to talk about their scariest experiences. So uh, if that interests you, I definitely recommend you checking it out. He came on the podcast to tell his story of an encounter with Bigfoot. So come check it out. You're listening to Real Chills with my guests. Real scary. Real Silly, Real Stories. Hey everybody, welcome to Real Chills. Meg here. I'm super excited about our guest. He is a stand-up comedian, radio DJ, and the host of the Monstrosity podcast, David Race. David, how are you? I'm doing good. How you doing? Good. I'm so excited you could be here. Thank you.
1: And you're a Philadelphia, <laughs> you're a Philadelphia based, right? Yeah, I'm in
0: Philly. Philly. Yeah. I,
1: I had had whole Philadelphia <laughs> history. You know about this?
0: I saw your WMMR um yeah, um, yeah credit spent, for sure. I spent
1: I spent 3 years there at MMR and basically I started doing stand up in Philadelphia.
0: That's awesome. What are the places? I I heard you mention that on another podcast and I was dying to know where what mic you went to. <laughs>
1: at the time it was it was um I played the comedy cabaret all the time.
0: Oh, that's still around. That's still kicking. I'm in there in a minute, but.
1: That was really like the, pretty much, it seemed like the only game of town back then. Um, Yeah. I I think Philadelphia is kind of different now than it was. There's more, but back then it was like they had five or six locations and every week I was in a different one, you know? Yeah,
0: that's awesome.
1: And I remember, um, you know, I was a pretty new comic. I was a year into it maybe, but because I'm playing the comedy cabaret a lot, I'm in the Philadelphia choir a lot you know they would Ooh. mention the lineups and it would it would say like you know and this guy and Squid McGiggles and, and you know <laughs> this guy and that guy and then and me you know and and then i remember like once in a while i, I would decide to go through an open mic cuz i'm trying some new things or whatever and i would turn up on south street at some you know alternative of comedy course yeah. <laughs> and and um and i remember like uh like say a year into my stand up career i um i turned up at some alternative show South Street or someplace like that, and and it was a whole world of comics I didn't know or had never seen before because none of them were in the comedy cabaret world with me. And and I remember feeling like I feel so out of place here. These guys aren't going to know who I am. I I I doubt I could ask for stage time. And I just kind of wandered up to the kid with the list or whatever. And I and this is a packed, you know, kind of half booked show, half open mic kind of show. A lot of lot of you know definitely a lot of comics, probably thirty to plus comics, and and an audience at least in the fifty range, you know. And and um 50 people, I mean, I don't mean age. <laughs> and, <laughs> Thank uh, you for that. Yeah, yeah I I what a You that. never
0: know. Yeah. Yeah, I got to
1: clarify <laughs> that. And, uh, and, I, and I walked up to the, the guy and, I, and he goes, Yeah. And I and this show's already started and everything. It's already on when I walked in. Right. And I said, Yeah, listen, um, my name is David Race. I so just want to know if maybe I can get on the list and do as well. And he looks up at me and he goes, David Race? And I go, Yeah. And he goes, You're looking at the Philadelphia Inquirer all the time. <laughs> and I go, Oh yeah, I guess kind of. Oh yeah, you want to go on next? You, you you want? I'll i bump. I'll move people around. i you like everybody like the like part of the Red Sea.
0: Oh, that that's shown dream. Up, you know, and
1: it wasn't that long after. A year later, I moved to L.A. Like, you know, wait till I get to L.A. It's gonna they're gonna just sure. move out of the way from me. And then I I quickly discovered in L.A. They don't care. <laughs>
0: They don't care what the Philadelphia. They don't care
1: what your clout was in Philadelphia. Do they have a
0: Los Angeles Inquirer? You can maybe get into. At at the time when I got
1: here, it was the LA Weekly.
0: Okay, that That was was like that was a
1: place where if you were like mentioned there, which I got mentioned a lot. But you, you know, any most of the shows were mentioned. You know, but that was (laughs) you wanted to be mentioned there quickly. But but in LA, one of the first lessons I learned in stand up in LA was I came here thinking I've got twenty great minutes. I've been destroying in Philadelphia Mm -hmm. with this. This 20, yeah. And I came to LA and I quickly discovered how much smarter you have to write it
0: from what I was doing
1: on the East Coast. And I discovered that 20 minutes I've got is around two and a half minutes. (laughs) Um, The worst (laughs)
0: discovery ever.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it was was such a setback. Like you had to sharpen your writing up to such a different level.
0: Yeah, it's just so different, the audiences, because I work the Heliums and I haven't done any that aren't the Philly one, but I have talked to a lot of like the features that get like bounced around. And they do talk about how significantly different the crowds are. Like you would think like a comedy audience would be kind of similar in that club setting. But like when they go to Portland, it is a way different ballgame than when you come to Philly. Kind of like what you mentioned. It's it's not even that. I wouldn't even say Philly audiences are dumb, right? Because I I like our audiences, but they're blue collar is how I would describe it. You know, they, they want to hear about say, their life.
1: I'll say they're dumb.
0: You think they're dumb? Fair.
1: It's all right. It's all right. uh, I mean, you know, they're, they've, dumb's probably not the right thing, but, uh, and if I get to Philly soon, I'll keep getting apples thrown at me, (laughs) probably, but, um, but I mean, they were tolerating, you know, certain, you know, guys rolling by on a unicycle in the middle of the show with a squirting lapel and stuff. Sure,
0: sure.
1: Which in LA would have, might've gotten you assassinated. Right. (laughs) Uh, it, it, It was just. This is a this is something I said in an interview years ago. I don't remember what magazine I said this to, but I I'm, I've always been so proud of this quote because as a stand up, you'll really take this one home. I think in any I'm sure you've stand ups that listen to this show, and and so here you go. This is my very short piece of wisdom about stand up. The key to stand up, to executing stand up, writing stand up, performing stand up. The key as a as a performer and writer is to be smart enough to know just how stupid to make. It.
0: Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. It's a
1: very delicate balance between not going over the head of the audience, but not making a hack of yourself. It is, it, 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 you have to be smart enough to know just how stupid to make
0: it. I wanted to ask you, cause I, I, I did listen to a few podcasts to prepare for this and you did mention in one that you did riffing some Bigfoot material, but you don't write it. It is one of my like, I would love to be able to talk about paranormal stuff in my set. I don't right now. I've written some jokes. They've gone okay. They haven't bombed, but people don't seem to care. Do you think there is a way that you can make people care about that? Or is it, do you stay away from it altogether?
1: I do. I The only reason I, I don't do it on stage and haven't really, except one particular TV thing I was doing, is because it it's such it's in such conflict with the persona I have as a, on stage, on it. stage persona is a very dark, kind of evil. You know, um, uh, I I almost think of it like. Um, do you remember remember Norm Macdonald's portrayal of Burt Reynolds? Yeah, I'm almost <laughs> okay. I'm almost that portrayal Please. as a comedian. You know, <laughs> um, and and uh, you know, almost the chewing the gum, you know, the mustache and the sunglasses. It's almost that. <laughs> And I just feel like it, it's very conflicting with my truth as a, as a performer to, like, de- not, not truth is wrong word, because my Bigfoot stories are true for me. But it's, v- <sighs> all right, this, I'm all over the road here, but here's another example. Many years ago, 20 mm-hmm. years ago, I was in a really serious car accident, okay? And I broke my neck in that car accident.
0: Jeez. I've never talked
1: about this on, on anyone else's show. You're getting exclusive here.
0: Wow. <laughs>
1: and um, I was nearly killed in this accident. Uh, comics in LA who knew me at the time know about this. And I spent a long time in the hospital, a few weeks, and uh, and and was really, you know, I was millimeters away from from death. And I made a full recovery, but I've never, apart from a couple couple times, I've tried to, but I've basically never done anything about it on stage. And I have lots of funny stories from that hospital stay, and loads mm. of funny real stories. And the reason I've never done it is because it's so hard to sell on the audience that this is true. It's so hard to take them down. I've, I've right. found for me, in my maybe for someone else, but for me and my persona, I've found it hard to take them down the road to suddenly leaping with me to this, what seems fantastical story of my injury and my recovery at the hospital, even though the stories are true and great. So I've had a hard time ever really working into my act, except for little, little attempts here and there. And my Bigfoot stories feel similar to that, to me. I see. That's why I went there. They they feel there's there's something in common in those two issues.
0: Yeah. So for me, like when I'm trying to write, and we're going to get into the story listeners, don't worry, we're (laughs) making you wait on bated breath. But um, for me, when I'm writing stuff like that, or say the paranormal, it's, I'm trying to find an audience. I'm trying to collect people that are the same weird as me. You know what I mean? So like, it's not a good goal. I am thinking at my level, it's probably not a good goal because I still want to get, and I am getting booked, thank God. But like, you know, maybe I want to appeal to broader audiences, but like my end goal is to collect the weirdos, you know, like maybe the ghost story isn't for everyone, Mm -hmm. but the five people that were like, so on board, I feel like they're going to just love me forever. You know, I think,
1: I think if you can niche out, if, if it doesn't conflict with your persona to do it in your regular act, you can do it, but if it does, and instead you chose to sort of niche out being the paranormal subject matter comic. Right. Um, Yes. I think that's a, a lane and a special space. If if I didn't think it conflicted my right with my persona and what, and the sort of like, you know, it wasn't such a zig and a zag from what I'm already doing in the context of my regular act to talk about Bigfoot, then maybe I would have branded myself, you know, the Bigfoot comic. And right. that is, and that is, <laughs> that definitely is a unique brand, but, yeah. but, but, you know, it's also you know, I have own big stories, and and I believe in, in the stuff to answer your earlier question about where we might go. Uh, I, I don't said this on the air, or was it a free pre interview? I forget. But you you mentioned that you would ask me if I'm a believer. I am. Yeah. But yeah. but um, the the thing is that um, put this. I don't want that to be what I'm all about. Sure. Um, yeah. You know, my 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 podcast is a very interesting balancing act between. You know, paranormal guests from TV shows. I've had Matt Moneymaker. I've had dave Schrader. I've had Christi- uh, Katrina Weidman. Mm-hmm. I've had uh, uh, Dave. Who uh, else? Bill Burns from Ancient Aliens. I've had like a lot of t- people from TV shows who are famous for paranormal stuff, and they're on. And and it used to be before COVID, I'd actually have them on with the celebrity, and it became a really weird triangular That's conversation. So cool. <laughs> um, COVID kind of wrecked that, but right. but. Even with the even with the regular celebrity, I tend to usually slip in there somewhere. Anything ever happened to you? Which I did to Mackenzie Phillips recently.
0: I've noticed. I notice. Yeah. I love um, when you do that, and I love when they get excited. <laughs> so
1: it, it's like an interesting dance of these things, you know, of of, cel- right. of regular deep celebrity interview, interesting questions no one's asked them before. I usually try to find like angles that no one's talked to them about before, you know, and then and then um, the paranormal guest, and then in the old days before COVID. All, both of them together but i don't i I, i'm not hoping to have my entire identity david race's entire identity be he's the ufo guy like i i like that it's sort of this amorphous all different jack of all trades thing yeah
0: yeah that's awesome yeah (laughs) well thanks for the free comedy advice i tricked you on here just so i could get that yeah and So you sort of mentioned so uh, between being a skeptic or a true believer, where did you say you landed? You're kind of in the middle. No no, or? I'm not I'm
1: not a skeptic, I'm a believer. Um, you're a full believer? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um I mean are there things I haven't seen? Yeah, I haven't had much in the ghost realm. I don't sure. you know, or that that I know about, I should say. Um <laughs> I mean I I've little little things I think probably were ghosty things, but like I w I don't have like a really definitive story for you. hmm But uh, I do believe in that stuff. I watch uh, a lot of stuff on, you know, the shows on that those subjects and find a lot of them very compelling and the evidence is very good. So I think that there's probably something to that. I'm much more tuned into the UFO thing and the Bigfoot thing that's more of interest to me. Sure. Um, and it's more specifically what I've personally seen. And, uh, but I, yeah, I'm down with all of them.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Do you want to get into what you've seen?
1: No, that's out of the question. I stole that joke from Phil Collins who I work in, I work a Genesis think, line into everything it seems like I just, I just did it again but I stole that from Phil Collins who in the 1970s was on a a show a talk show Genesis played one song and they're supposed to play a second song you know so like after the first song the talk show host comes over and did one of those like real 70s like hey you guys are terrific boy uh, a nice new band from England very impressed with you guys you know one of those talk show things then the end of the the little chat he had with them he says to Phil, Hey, uh, can you guys play, uh, play another number for us? And Phil goes, That's out of the clutch.
0: Which must <mess> have <I'm> crushed. <laughs> yeah. <right? laughs> it was like the guy
1: with the toupee and the lapels right. and,
0: uh,
1: out of the clutch. <laughs> yeah. But where, where are we going with this before I deviated to Genesis? Oh, UFOs. Well, my UFO story is a little shorter than my Bigfoot story. But my UFO story is uh, my personal witnessing. I talked about this in one of my podcast episodes. Is uh, I was driving five years ago, maybe in LA. And uh, I love when I tell these kind of stories just because we have, we're in an age of Google maps and Google earth and all these sort of things. And I like that people can play along at home and kind of like you know, <laughs> click on your Google map now and right. follow my car ride. So, so I'm going to give you some good coordinates here, people. I was driving on victory Boulevard, heading eastbound. This is such a weird thing to say to you in Philadelphia, but you know, that's how I'm going to tell it. Cause the audience at home is playing along with it. Right. I'm heading eastbound on Victory Boulevard towards Sepulveda. This is all very LA, this conversation. And uh, I sound like the guy on the Saturday Night Live bit, you know, like you, you get off the 405, you look at the road right. Road. <laughs> so, I'm, I'm driving to Victory East, heading to Sepulveda, towards Sepulveda, and uh, I think I was going to a meeting in Burbank or something. I'm really dropping LA things now. And, yeah, and, fancy. And, 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 you know, bright, beautiful day, mid-afternoon, and as I'm approaching Sepulveda Boulevard on Victory, I can see in the sky in the distance little shimmering silver you know cylindrical objects it seemed like at a great distance and at a great height almost and when i say this it's going to make the skeptics go well then that's what it was but almost the way metallic helium balloons would look if you'd released them
0: sure and they'd okay. look
1: very small and they'd look very high you know mm-hmm. the difference between this and metallic helium balloons was there was say six or eight of them and they were changing positions completely from each other in ways that balloons couldn't do balloons would go straight up and blow away and you know part these were these were orbiting each other moving like one would be dead dead still and the other one would come up to it kind of go near it then zig away and then another one would come and go around it then that one that was still would now move all the way to the right and come back yeah balloons wouldn't do that these were under control and I'm and I, I'm so captivated by this, like at the red light around around Victory and Sepulveda, looking up in the distance of this, and it was a it, to my eye, it looked like it was probably about over Burbank, which is like kind of where I'm headed. That I decided to pull over, and I remember making a right turn and parking like in a parking lot, you know, somewhere just near Sepulveda and Victory. I think it was like a paint store or something, a house, mm-hmm. you know, you buy buckets of house paint or you something. Know? And I remember just kind of parking. In a spot where I'm facing that way, still able to, you know, just watch. Now sitting still, not worrying about cars around me, and I and I still watched it another three, four minutes, and it continued to be like this. And at this point, I was like, I got to get out of here. I'm gonna be late for this thing, you know. So,
0: right. So
1: I decided to continue driving, and then I thought, I'll just keep my eyes on. It. I'm going the same way, anyways. So I'll just kind of drive like this, you know. And as mm-hmm. I get the next light, I'll get another look, and I think somewhere within a couple lights, it, it was gone. I couldn't see it anymore. It was gone. So that's my my big spotting
0: do you think they were like multiple ufos or do you think it was one
1: big i think it was was multiple and i think since then um i've looked on youtube and stuff and seen and on uncertain tv shows i've seen ufo videos that look just like what i saw okay i've basically seen what i saw
0: are they in the same area? It, do you remember, or are they like other desert? Uh,
1: no, no, yeah, not desert. You know, they're completely different places and things. Like you know, I've seen videos that are like hey, this is London, England, in 1997, but it's the same sort of thing I saw in California that day. This, you know, this is Detroit. You know, last week, last Wednesday, totally same kind of thing I saw here.
0: Wow! And this is obviously pre drones, right? It's not just a bunch of kids flying it, their drones. Were, this
1: was too high. Way too high. <laughs>
0: okay, it was way too high.
1: I mean. Really high. And, and, it, and I, it's because, you know, it's hard to gauge when you're driving, when you don't know how big something is, you don't know how far away it is. You don't know how high it is. because how you don't know how big it is. But my estimation is that it was at least over studio city or Burbank for those back to your Google maps, following along at home. <laughs> and so when I'm sitting at victory and Sepulveda, I'm like in dead center, Van Nuys, California. And we're, we're talking about like several towns away from,
0: did you like feel anything? Like, were you scared? Were you like just full no, on amazed? No, just it?
1: marveling at it. No, that's yeah.
0: Weird. And they were moving really fast. You said, right? No, way no, no, stationary? no, no,
1: Stationary, and then one would, you know, kind of
0: drift gently, gently,
1: gently move to the left, and then he'd come back in. He'd come back into the stationary one. Then the stationary one would leave and go to the right and come around the different one. You know, just all gener- wow. generally, vacillating or vacillating around each other.
0: That's incredible.
1: Yeah, it was it was definitely pretty weird. In broad daylight, a bright, bright, sunny afternoon, like 2 o'clock in the afternoon.
0: Wow. Yeah, I've never seen a UFO. We've had a bunch of those on the podcast. And um, some people joke, like, maybe, I think for me, I don't know if I'm looking up enough. <laughs> you know, like, I'm on my phone. When I'm driving, I'm very anxious, so my eyes are dead on the road. But And keep it that
1: way, by the way. Because yeah. I, I, I've, I've been in a major car accident, and you don't want right. to be looking up while you're driving. Right. Which I wasn't. I was a passenger.
0: Oh gosh, that's so scary. That that whole thing.
1: You know what's it, weird about the human mind? You know, people ask me about that accident and, and, and who know me, and, and and um your brain won't let you remember the details. Wow. It it your brain tries to protect you from how scary it was. So like I my last memories of it are really kind of just flash memories that were seconds before it. And I remember Later, being in the hospital, still in the trauma center. And I remember the cops showing up at my bedside and asking me if I knew some things. And I didn't think I knew anything. And I just remember kind of like giddily, you know, probably already on some drugs, just saying, <laughs> just, just saying to them something like, I don't know, I didn't see anything. They go, you sure? And I, and I go, uh, white SUV. I think a uh, white SUV. I don't even know where I'm getting that from. I don't remember even seeing a white SUV. White, just white SUV maybe and they, and the co- i remember one of the cops kind of nodding like knowingly with a straight cop face kind of nodding and writing mm-hmm. something down and walking away well a month later maybe uh at when the case was in litigation and everything i saw the police reports and the full details of the accident it was a white suv that
0: wow so you just kind of pulled it but you couldn't remember what nope. happened <gasps> brain is so scary that makes me more scared than ufos (laughs) honestly the way our brains work is so fascinating
1: i think i think my brain kept the last seconds like the turning to my left oh no
0: yeah uh not to take it too far but do you think that's might be what happens when people are abducted and they say they can't remember you know just the fear and like the the being scared kind of makes them black
1: out. It seems like the aliens have more um, control over those people. Right. It seems like like there's actually you know literally like memory erasing going on. and
0: (laughs) Like um, men in black stuff.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean that's really I think that's what's going on with that. I don't I think that that's that's less about the human mind and more about what they're capable of.
0: Which is amazing in itself if that's what they're doing. So.
1: Uh, I I mean I've said this on recent episodes of my show. Um, I have this whole theory that the I think the most likely thing in terms of the explanation as to what the aliens are
0: mm-hmm. is that
1: they're us in the future.
0: I've never heard that before. I've heard a lot of things on this podcast, but I've never heard that is so.
1: The most likely thing is they're us. they're us after our nuclear disasters, after we destroy the planet, after things go wrong. They're us millions of years ahead with the technology coming back and looking in us It's why the message is so consistently to abductees. You got to stop with the weapons. You're going to blow yourselves up. It's why so many of the sightings around nuclear installations. It's why the aliens have different physiology than us. Take COVID, for example. I said this to Bill Burns from Ancient Aliens on my show recently. Take COVID, for example. So now we have an illness that's affecting the entire world and it's an airborne illness. It's an illness that you take in from breathing. Well, what are these millions of years of evolved aliens coming back to us with? Almost no nostrils and almost no mouth. Like a slit for a mouth that doesn't right. move, with like ours, you know, two dots for nostrils that don't move and seem to be as important in their physiology as it is in ours. Could it be that this COVID thing is the beginning of a sequence of the things that take down humanity? And when the and when these future uses are coming back. Their evolution is that breathing is not that important anymore.
0: Wow. That's incredible. That, you know, I do wonder though, like, why, you know, why would they get involved? You know what I mean? Like, I like who I am. So like, if you were like, you can go back and teach a caveman, like how to use an iPhone, and then you'll be way advanced when it's your turn to be alive. Like, I'd still be like, nah, I'm happy with my, th-. you know what I mean? So like, I wonder what their incentive is for well
1: they, again. Us. I'm basing this only on the things they say to abductees. these messages are very consistently. They you are, know, you're yeah. going to destroy yourselves. You know, get away from the nuclear weapons. You know, stop with this. You know, they 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 they're, they repeat these themes over and over again.
0: That's amazing. Yeah, they do. They are sort of, sort of like harbingers. Even like on Egyptian writing, it seems like they come back with warnings and things like that. Right. Wow. That's that's. I'm going to be thinking about that for a long time now, every time I, I see it. I didn't even know. Like, I'd be,
1: I didn't even know I'd be this scary in this episode. I, yeah, I, I,
0: you're scaring I, me. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, I'm, I'm a scary guest.
0: I'm like, going to have to black this all out. I'm not going to remember any of it by the time this is over. Um, yeah. Wow. Yeah, that could be, that is such a good thing. And, you know, like even me trying to figure out what their goal is, like, they're so far past us, like who the heck knows? You know what I mean? There might be some reason that we'll have no knowledge of for billions and millions of years, but it is cool to think of it that way. And, you know, maybe there is some sort of kinship, you know, with, with their past selves, or, you know, maybe there's a connection. I'm going, I'm going off the rails now, like with like past lives or something, you know what I mean? There might be more there than we can even think of.
1: I'm pretty sure Bill Burns from Ancient Aliens, who's like one of the premier UFO guys on television, I'm pretty sure he didn't scoff at this. I get. I'm, I think I gave him the same speech I just gave you about what.
0: Yeah.
1: Particularly, I remember telling him the COVID theory, you know, and the and the yeah, the, 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 and the not, and breathing becoming not such an important part of their physiology later on by biological evolutionary choice. Mm-hmm. And I think I said all this to him, and I and I think pretty sure he didn't tell me I was nuts. I'm pretty sure he said something. I'm pretty <laughs> no, sure he I'm said something in. like this is this is <laughs> that's a very interesting theory. I think he you know I think he actually has some credibility to my ideas. So so I, it's amazing that you know that uh, you know the the world of UFO and you know, the larger world of UFO Travel Channel and whoever else aren't just banging at my door all the day for my insights. Yeah,
0: Cause
1: right. Because I, I have much more interesting comments than the people that are using. <laughs>
0: right, if you disappear on. one day, I'll know you got too close. I'll be like, oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Telling too many truths, yeah. Wow, that was awesome. Thank you. Um, do you want to talk about your Bigfoot story? Or
1: yeah, I have, yeah, okay. yeah, sure, no, uh, definitely. That's <laughs> one. That's one I've definitely talked about my podcast too. So there's a few episodes where I go into that. If people start listening to Monstrosity Podcast a lot, they'll probably hear this again. But there's a couple actually Bigfoot instances in my life. But the most significant one that when I talk about a lot is I was upstate New York, 2007, October 2007, I think it was. And again, this has to do with Genesis. Unbelievable. <laughs> it does have to do with Genesis. Love it. <laughs> I was already living out here for a while at that point, but Genesis was on tour for the first time in ages. So I flew back East to see them in New York too. And that's what I was doing on the East Coast that week. And my father, my parents, you know, my, my, I was grew up in Long Island, so that's where I'm from. My, my universe of, you know, family and friends are from there. And so I have plenty of people to see and and my father had a vacation house upstate New York on the border of Vermont and New York that we had for basically my whole life. And my wife and I and my father and his wife went up there during that trip that I was back east. And my wife is not a Bigfoot UFO type I wouldn't say she's a super skeptic, but she's not like me. She's not you know, since she doesn't D V R these shows and stuff, you know. She'll will she sit through finding Bigfoot with me? Yes, you know. <laughs> has she heard of Matt Moneymaker? Yes, she has. You know, but like you know, it's not it's not on her taping schedule. You know.
0: Sure.
1: I'm the weird guy who, like, really I'm not kidding, has sat in Caribbean vacations with her where she's turning through like a romance novel, you know, on the beach like a normal woman, <laughs> where, and the guy, <laughs> you know, and the guy next to her, me, you know, actually has a book open that people are walking by on the beach doing double takes because the cover says like. Bigfoot and you, did you, could you, you know, did you see him or not? Like like uh, the cover is a Bigfoot looking at you, you know, and there are people walking by an antique, well, like, what's wrong with that guy? Yeah, you know, that's me. So we were uh, upstate New York and the house that my father had at the time was, it's on a, it was on a 55 acre property. And the house was way up on the plateau at the top of the mountain. So, you know, 1500 feet, 2000 feet elevation in the center of the woods cleared out you know the trees are cleared to make an opening for the house to be built and it's at the plateau at the top of this mountain so all around it on the 55 acres are nothing but woods going down and and the nearest neighbors like a mile away there's no neighbor i had maybe just started getting a little bit into bigfoot stuff but not as much as i am now in 2007 i would say i knew about it like from in search of with leonard demoy which i grew up watching and and, you know, I had like a kind of interest in it. I, so, like, had I heard of the Patterson-Gimlin film? Yeah. Had I heard of, you know, really famous things? Yeah. But was I really deeply reading books about it on the beach? No. <laughs> right. And I'm standing, uh, I'm sorry. Yeah. My wife and I are standing on the balcony of the house, which was kind of just, you know, looking out of the woods on different directions, you know, 9, nine ten o'clock at night. And I went back into the house. I'm sitting in the living room, reading a non-Bigfoot book or something. And my wife is still standing out on the thing, looking through the telescope they had out there to see the clear sky and the stars you can see. And she, I, I, I'm noticing her through the glass, looking spooked. Like she's kind of looking through the telescope, but every so often just kind of going, you know, like looking left and right, like she heard something like, 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 like what is that? You know, and then look, going back to the telescope and then kind of coming down again, like, what, you know, just look like she's getting creeped out of. And she's not like that. And then she finally she comes to me and says, "I'm coming in, there's something weird out here." I I go, "What do you mean?" She goes, "I don't know. I feel like something's watching. There's something. Something. I'm hearing stuff." And uh, and she goes, uh, "And some like rabbits scampered by and ran ran away." And uh, and this again, this is not in her domain at all. To even know, she wouldn't know the history of Bigfoot sightings and these are the sort of things that happen. This would all is way outside of her stuff, you know at the time, it's pretty much those kind of details would be outside my stuff. And I think she came in and we locked up and, you know, went to bed later on. And then later on at night, we're sound asleep in the guest room. It's pitch dark in the middle of the woods, three o'clock in the morning or something. There's something pounds on the wall. This is a log cabin. Something pounds on the wall, like a, like a train hit the wall, like boom, boom, Like, like I mean. To, you know deliberate you know three knocks or something right near our heads on the lock
0: when the sports world was introduced to two new team names within a week comedian dave premiano told his friend and fellow comedian dan
1: Goetz we should do a limited series podcast where we rank all the team names in sports and they did just that And after they were done, they decided, hey, let's just keep ranking stuff. Thus was born the Rank Bank, where each week they are joined by a panel of experts, a.k.a. Philly comedians, to rank all things ranging from the unimportant to the really unimportant. New episodes drop on Mondays and sometimes Tuesday if it's a two-parter. Be sure to follow them on Twitter and Instagram at the underscore rank underscore bank. We jump up out of a dead sleep, because when something like that happens. It's, it's like more dramatic than your alarm clock. You know, your, you know how like your <laughs> sure. brain kind of knows when you have your alarm set. So, you're, if you have an alarm set for eight a.m. every day, your brain sort of like starts waking you up around seven. You're kind of not right. sleeping <laughs> that good at that point. Yeah. You know, you know by seven fifteen, you're looking at the clock, going, "Oh, alarm's going off soon." You know, and you're kind of falling back asleep, but you, you have a vague idea like it's coming soon. When you, when you're dead asleep at three o'clock in the morning in the dark of the woods and something pounds on the wall, you weren't prepared for that. You had no alarm time coming. Okay. So we jumped up, you know, and in the pitch dark, just from absolute dead asleep, kind of went, what the hell? And then, and then for some reason, we didn't just raise the blinds right next to my head and look. Instead, we just looked at each other and went. And just like, like almost like against our wills, throw our heads back down, back to sleep. (laughs) Wow. Okay. I'm thanking God to this day that that's what we did because (laughs) I have since reported this incident to the BFRO, which is Matt Moneymaker's group that, you know, became the guys who started finding Bigfoot, the TV show. And I've been interviewed by them for hours. They had their investigator call me a couple of times for a couple of hours of interviews and asked me a million questions. And they rated it as a probable Bigfoot incident based on a number of things. Number one, I didn't know this at the time, but the area where my father lived was only half hour away from a town called Whitehall, New York, which is a Bigfoot hub. Mm-hmm. And the, the and the house that his mountain, you know, his his mountain area where the house was is right on the Adirondack line that the you know these sightings happen on. So this wow. would be the trail they they walk. Two, my father. At some point I, I asked him like from the next day, did you hear anything last night or whatever? And he just I ended up talking to him, just casually he ended up telling me weird things that had happened on the property that he didn't relate to this at all. And my father's totally not a believer, he's an ex-cop, he's not a believer type at all. But as he told me these things, and I later on told these things to the investigators, they were like that's a total Bigfoot incident. He had told me about deer that he had found on the property dead.
0: Oh god with
1: like a broken back leg and a broken neck and things like that. And he, and just weird things that are Bigfoot incidents. Yeah. And, and then this was one of the key things. I'll never forget this. It freaked me out. I remember the investigator from the BFRO talked to me like an hour and a half and I thought we covered everything. And then we hang up and then he calls me back like a while later, like an hour or two later. And he goes, I have another couple of questions for you. And I said, yeah. And he goes, was the window next to your heads where you guys were sleeping, was it open at all? You know, was it, was it open to the screen? I said, yeah, it was. I remember there was like air blowing in from the, from the woods. And I goes, he goes, how much was open? I said, a couple inches. And he goes, it was a screen window. I said, yeah. And he goes, was your wife ovulating?
0: No, oh, that's so scary.
1: And I said, I don't remember. Oh, uh, I said I said, if you hold on, I'll find out. I said, because all women know that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um and uh, and uh and I went to her and she you know looked back at her calendar. And she was, and he came back with. <laughs> you had a male big at your window.
0: It's not funny, but now I know I need to watch my cycle for camping. So I'm glad we have this yeah. talk. That is so scary. Yeah. Did you, how did your wife feel about that? Was she freaked out? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, that. Oh, that I think man. that was the worst. I think that was
1: the worst thing I told her in my story <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: when I told her about yes, the investigation. Yeah. <laughs> she was. Oh told the, 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 She the, that freaked her out. And also like, how dare you talk about it? Like like she was, she, she couldn't believe like, um, you know, and then of course she's been thrilled since then that I've had a podcast where I've talked about this numerous times (laughs) and that Matt Moneymaker now has the details of her ovulation schedule (laughs) and that so do you now. And I, and and I think Dave Schrader does, I'm pretty sure I've told him on his show and, uh, and and so do numerous. I I think Jason Hawes had me on his show and I told him, so, um, I, I've now, you know, discussed my wife's period with numerous people on many, many national <laughs> programs.
0: That is, yeah, something to be proud of, an accomplishment. Yeah. Yeah. She's thrilled. <laughs> so, this thing has to be massive, right? You're saying, how tall do you yeah, think? Yeah,
1: well, the pounding that you're talking about would be over 10 feet high. That, the, the, You know, we're not talking that the thing's height would have to be 10 feet, but it would be able to raise its hand to that kind of height because that's about the height it's hitting at. And there was no... People ask me like, well, what was on the, did you check the ground the next day? I do remember looking under the window the next day, but there was nothing right. to see because it's kind of like grass, right? That, you know, that just goes up to that window for a call. And, you know, then I had a lot of, you know, skeptic types say to me, well, it's probably a deer, you know, that ran into the wall. <laughs> so I go, I go, first of all, a deer ran into the wall at the, with, at the kind of ferocity of course, that we're talking yeah. about. There would have been an unconscious deer laying there, <laughs> you know, with his legs up, you know, like dead. That is Dead as a doorknob, you know. Mm-hmm. And same thing with a bear, anything else that ran into the wall. Right. And nothing runs into the wall like that. And they also run into the wall like three, to- three hits. Right. They get up and keep repeatedly running. they run
0: against <laughs> It's interesting because I know everyone describes Bigfoot as huge. And I've seen all of the footprints and they're massive. But you don't actually think about like the scale of one until I hear your story. You know, like I think I can't think of a cryptid that I'd want to meet less than
1: Bigfoot, honestly. Oh, well, that's why I said, you know, I said, you because someone someone listening to this was thinking to themselves when I said it, why, why were you thrilled you didn't open the blinds?
0: Right. This,
1: this is the, <laughs> this is that part. You know? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I, the blinds were right there. We, the, the, you know, the, he, the headboard of the bed and the blinds were like all right at each other. You know, so like had I literally like, you know, kind of leaned over three feet and kind of opened the blinds, I think I would have been face to face with this
0: thing with it oh my god and
1: and i'm telling you i'd still be unconscious in that room
0: right now <laughs> yeah that would be horrible yeah. except i would be i would love to hear what he what bigfoot looks like um, so I'm i kind of wish really
1: glad that didn't happen
0: <laughs> so um this kind of leads to my next question which is do you think bigfoot is terrestrial so like some sort of primate that is humongous or do you think maybe there's something else at play like um, but for
1: years, I definitely thought terrestrial, but I'm getting more and more of the beliefs that extraterrestrial is what we're dealing with. I've said this to Matt Moneymaker from Finding Bigfoot. I've said this to Bill Burns. I've said this to other people on my show. I'm starting to uh, to think extraterrestrial terrestrial makes more sense. There's been
0: a lot of Bigfoot
1: incidents involving UFOs. There's been Bigfoot incidents where Bigfoots are seen coming and going from UFOs. Right. There's a leaked government document, uh, uh, supposedly a government document called Blue Planet Project uh, leaked it, and and in it they describe the different alien species that the government supposedly knows are are, are visiting the you know the Earth, and one of them is called a Wadig W A D I G, and the okay. description is a Bigfoot, and and, and the and the <laughs> wow. and the, the animated drawing they use in there is a Bigfoot, and they even say in the description I think they say something like you know commonly known to you know average people as bigfoot or sasquatch the waddig is actually a known alien entity but, you know, like right. you know, they explain it right and then there's a, there's also a lot of weird magical kind of things that bigfoots have been able to do like the, yeah. there's there are stories of people like you know taking out their camera and like being about to snap a photo when the bigfoot right. in a when the bigfoot in a flash blinks away and is gone
0: yeah that's things that's like that. what makes me believe something like that like they um they're extraterrestrial or they like can slip through time or whatever, Cause
1: there's also a lot of telepathic communication stories in Bigfoot incidents. Really? a lot of a lot of people like, you know, there are guys who've raised the rifle up and like had a voice saying in their head, put it down or we're going to kill you right now. You have seconds oh. to put it down.
0: Yeah. Oh. That's horrifying too. Uh, So I know you've done like a lot of Bigfoot research. Have you found stories similar to yours, like where people are woken up? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. The, The pounding on the cabin in the woods thing seems to be a recurring theme, but that's not one that I, that's a great example of what I mean when I say I wasn't that deep into the subject at the time. Right. So I didn't know that at the time. In 2007, I wouldn't have known that's a common theme of the Bigfoot world. I wouldn't ever have heard any previous story like that. But since then, as I got much more into the topic, much more read on it, and much more, you know, watching every show you can watch on it, I've discovered that's a very common
0: thing. Wow, that's awesome. That's that's so cool. And so is so to-
1: is the ovulation part of it. <laughs>
0: yeah, that Actually. is that's a common thing. Oh yep. man. That in itself is such a golden nugget of information that I'm yep. glad that all my listeners now have. Because it's horrifying. Um, but I was going to ask, since you do all this research and it sounds like you've read a lot of books on it, if someone is really interested in Bigfoot, wants to do more research, what is like the best book you've ever read? You're like, a hundred percent, you got to read this one.
1: My favorite one was, um, I don't even remember what it's called, but it's the, it's the, the one that Roger Patterson wrote, the one that he wrote in 66 or 67 about, probably in 67 he wrote about the, the Patterson Gimlin incident, the famous you know, that, World famous Bigfoot video that everyone's seen, you know the, right. the one that everyone thinks of when they think of the big, the classic Bigfoot video. You know? Right. The the book that he wrote about that, which is almost like a pamphlety book, if I recall. It's a, It's like very light reading. It's kind of not written in the format of a normal book, but his whole book, his book about that and how, how that came to be and whatever, I found to be the most sort of charming and of its time and interesting. Book.
0: Oh, awesome! Yeah, I'll definitely be checking that out because this has all been so fascinating and. We're running out of time. So, I want to talk about the Monstrosity podcast because I've been listening to it for the last week and it is so much fun. So, it is a podcast where you interview celebrities and also paranormal celebrities. So,
1: You're always, there's always there's one, in, there's always a legit quote celebrity
0: and a yeah. paranormal
1: celebrity in every episode. <laughs> yeah. Basic, basically, yes.
0: Yeah. And yeah. Um, you just recently had Mackenzie Phillips on, who I'm a big fan of. She even talked about So Weird, the Disney show. Uh, she plays a mom touring in a band with her kids who are little weirdos that like always get into paranormal stuff. Yep. It's the same reason I watch Disney Plus two still. Um, <laughs> but do you want to talk about that, that experience and the cool things that you've gotten to done through do through the podcast? Yeah, the
1: the way I mean the way the podcast started was um maybe 2015. I started doing comedians talking about bigfoot, which was right. which was born from my then intense reading and interest in the Bigfoot subject which came after mm-hmm. my incident and I and the comedians talking about Bigfoot show was similar to the show but it was more me a paranormal guy and a comedian I know from LA you know and 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 I would put that triangle together and I thought you know that'll be a really interesting kind of conversation that A, B is between like spooky and scary and titillating and yeah. interesting and funny and um, that show quickly got me a TV deal and uh, I shot a thing with the guys who had done Monster Quest for History Channel, I think they had Monster Quest. And I shot a thing with them. That ended up not, you know, coming together for us on television. And then when it was time to revisit doing podcasts again, I decided, let me go back where I had already been, comedians talking about Bigfoot, but let me do something slightly different. This time instead of comedians, I'll go with celebrities in the comedian spot. Sure. It couldn't. It's not that it, it, comedians are out of the question, but I thought like focus more on celebrities. It doesn't have to be a comedian, right? And and still a paranormal person. And so the first few episodes, you know, the celebrities hadn't yet gotten hip to the show, so it was still <laughs> a little comedian centric in the beginning. And uh, I think Brody Stevens is in one of those first four episodes. Oh, it's wow. one. Of the, it's one of the last interviews he ever did. It's one. Of the, I, I had Brody on about two months before he died. Oh my gosh! And. But I had uh, I had Kenny Banya from Seinfeld, uh, Steve Heitner on one of those first few episodes, and then and then uh, the f- then somewhere around that time, after three or four episodes, it starts getting much more celebrity centric, and it becomes Peter Brady from the Brady Bunch, Catherine Bach from the Dukes of Hazard, Robert Carradine from Avengers of the Nerds, Shadow Stevens, um, Burt Ward, Robin from Batman,
0: mm-hmm, a mm-hmm. bunch
1: of people, and 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 a paranormal person, and it so it. it Covid then changed the show again because once once COVID, everyone was coming in in person, and it, and I and I got to have this interesting triangular conversation where you have got Lonnie Anderson, this iconic <laughs> actress, talking uh-huh. to a UFO guy. It, I had the strangest <laughs> it, the strangest conversations. And, yeah. and, and, and then then Covid happened and it changed how I can do it. It became that <laughs> you know the, the, that they're on at separate times really. So so the last half dozen episodes or so have been you know, the rock star is in his own place in London. I'm talking to him and then I'm done with him and I go on to Katrina or something, Right. But so it's changed the format a little bit, but, it, but it's still what it is. And, and I think it has a, you know, it, it's, yes, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot. It's a fun oh show. Oh
0: my gosh. It's awesome. And I like that you, even though you don't force any of the celebrities to have a paranormal story, which would be hilarious if you're like, well, tell one, even though they might not. Yeah, I like that. There are. It seems like a lot of them do have some something. It some always sort surprises of me. Thing.
1: It always surprises yeah. me. because We never pre-interview them about that. Never.
0: Really. In fact, it's
1: yeah. One of the one of the things we always tell them when we're booking them is you know you don't need to know anything about this. We have that handle. Like that. I don't want. I don't want. You know, a celebrity to perceive that they've they better have a ghost story or or to even think. Twice about like I'll look weird if I go on some UFO show. I don't want them thinking like that. So, so I you know I always say like you know Suzanne Summers, don't worry about this. I have that part <laughs> handled. You know, okay, sure, um, yeah. <laughs> you know, just you come on as Suzanne Summers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then what ends up happening that keeps surprising me because I never know it's coming is I I do often have them either either I ask them something that provokes it. Or they insist on telling me, by the way, by the way, you haven't asked me anything <laughs> about this, but let me tell you, I had a big U of Oath and I'm always like, what? You know? and, yeah. and before I know it, you know, Catherine Bach from the Dukes of Hazard is telling me about the time Bigfoot chased her around the, the set <laughs> of the Dukes of Hazard or something. It, it it happened a bunch of times, like unexpectedly.
0: Yeah. I love your podcast because I'm the type of person where I'm like, I wonder, you know, I do a lot of research for the show. Sometimes we'll do stories. Like sometimes when I have comedians, their stories aren't as long. As, you know, someone who is, like, super into it, like we are. So, I'll, like, pat it with, like, other stories. And my first thing is, like, who are they a fan of? So, like, if someone's a fan of Batman and Robin, I'll be like, is there a story there? So, you're doing some good work. Because I can just, like, listen to your podcast and be like, well, they, yeah, they've seen ghosts or aliens or, you know. Something. Yeah, and I don't,
1: I don't let the show go super dark. Like, it's, it, like, you know, something like Zach Bagans, whose show I love. I love his TV Yeah. Show. Okay, but it's very dark. You know, oh, really, yeah. like like most of what he's doing on that show, in terms of what he's investigating, are the darkest thing Yeah. Like if you read, the, if you just picked out ten random descriptions of it's ghost adventures, right? If you got ten random descriptions of ghost adventures, nine of them would be a demon is haunting a house in Utah. Yeah. These these people's life is being destroyed. Their child has committed suicide as a result. You know, it, it, yeah. It like it's very dark. And then like like the like one out of ten will be like, uh, you know. There's a, a jolly old old ghost haunting the the, <laughs> the, the tavern right. in Boston. Yeah, you know? right. Um, I you know I tend not to let the show go super dark in like the ghost genre, for example. If if, if we're talking ghosts, it's, I'm probably on the lighter side. Like I, I we tend towards cast
0: right, um, yeah. You
1: know, but but it but it's it's um you know it's not it's it's not a show there to scare the wits out of you, but it is there to to you know pr- produce interesting UFO and paranormal stories and Really rich interviews with celebrities. I'm, I, I, I pride myself on asking mm-hmm. celebrities things that no one's asked them before. Yeah. And sometimes it's like kind of, to me, obvious things. Like I can't believe no one had asked Catherine Bach yet about what was under the shorts, <laughs> uh, but I did. You know? I mean, I
0: can think of a few reasons why they might not. <laughs> um,
1: it was not <laughs> only, <laughs> it was amazing to me that you, she'd been Daisy Duke on television. Literally the shorts are still named after her to this day. Okay. And no right. one bothered to discuss her underwear, you know? So, so, so I did. And then uh, I ended up getting the, the thrill of being the guy, the one guy in the world who, because I had the nerve to ask about this, this, she's suddenly showing me pictures of her underwear <laughs> so i like i i think i announced oh, on, i think i announced on that episode i can retire now
0: <laughs> i love that she just still has like pictures <laughs> yeah. of it on her phone yeah. to show yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: I, I think i was like okay you can come back and co-host every week if you want <laughs> that's
0: amazing yeah
1: <laughs> um but but yeah it's it's you know christopher knight like christopher knight from the friend brady bunch was on and we were talking and i remember saying to him You went to high school, El Camino High School, right? And he goes, yeah. And I go, that's right down the street from here. Because it was right where we were, like, really close to where we were doing the show that day. Mm -hmm. He goes, yeah, it's, like, a mile away. And and I said, now, Maureen McCormick, who played Marcia on the Brady Bunch, she lived also, like, right near here, like, a a mile to our left, you know? And I said, when you were going to the Brady Bunch each morning, and you had to go all the way to Hollywood, to Paramount, and you were going from out here in the West Valley, did you, like, carpool with Marcia? (laughs) Yeah, you know, You're driving my yeah. right buyer, you know? Yeah. And he goes, come to think of it, yes, we did. He I goes, really every sense. day my parents picked up Maureen. He goes, because her mother couldn't drive. And we drove together to Paramount every day. I drove with Maureen every morning. I go, that must have been so distracting. You're like a horny 15 <laughs> year old kid right. with like the hottest teenage sister. I'm like, how the hell did you concentrate? <laughs> you, know? you know, that's such an interesting conversation to have. Like, right. like, I love when you can get into a time and a place and like, you know, cause the picture like he, he carpooled with, with Marsha every morning at the radio like like no one else has ever asked this guy this
0: time. right. Who would be your like dream celebrity to have on? Phil Collins. Phil Collins?
1: It has to be a Genesis question. I mean, of course the <laughs> a, a Genesis answer. Yeah. Yeah, Phil Phil would be the best
0: I love that. I hope that works. I would love uh, I'm looking out for that episode. It's it's gonna so happen.
1: <laughs> So am I. I I had, I had Steve Hackett from Genesis on, who's a oh, wow. who was their guitarist until 1977, and that was a great thrill for me to have him. Yeah. On. Um. In fact, it, it people have asked me this is an inside secret of my show that I've never revealed to anybody. All of my shows are numbered. Like like online, they'll say episode 18, episode 19, episode 20. You know, and that one is called episode W1. Okay? okay. And it's the only one that just got a letter and a number. And, and I, I think on the episode, I kept saying it's a wild card episode. That's what W means. It's a wild card. Oh. Episode. And <laughs> the reasoning is at the time of recording the Steve Hackett episode, I had just recorded with some other celebrity. I don't remember who. I think it was the Fast Times at Rickman High episode with Robert Romanus, Mike Damone from Fast Times. I think it was that one. But I just recorded with somebody. I don't remember who. Steve Hackett suddenly became available and I was like, I got to have, him, you know, and I had already recorded what I thought was going to be the next episode in the sequence. And then suddenly I had to record Steve Hackett like days later. So I decided I have to air the Steve Hackett one right away because he needed it aired right away
0: Oh wow. to, pr- okay. to promote
1: his upcoming shows. And, and so I was way out of sequence on the numbers. The numbers wouldn't have made sense. It was hard to hardwired into the recording that like the other one was episode 12 or whatever it was. You know? mm-hmm. So I called this a wild card episode. It's a wild <laughs> card episode, you know, and, and awesome. I didn't explain why it's called a mm-hmm. wild card episode, but it was actually because the count was screwed up now. Mm-hmm. And I put that episode out that way. And since then I learned my lesson and that is in all the episodes after that, I never say what episode number it is
0: oh. on
1: the time of recording.
0: Smart. So that
1: if it ever happens that I get screwed over again, because Pamela Anderson has suddenly walked in.
0: Right. And, and
1: she's going to throw off sure. the whole thing. Okay. It doesn't matter because it's just, you know, a new episode with Pamela Anderson. I didn't say on it. Episode 26. You know? Right.
0: Yeah. I don't even number them. I can't even, I tried to do seasons and I was like, this is even seasons were too much for
1: me. I still, <laughs> I still let them get numbered. I still let them get numbered on the posting. The online posting right. has a number. But mm-hmm. on the hard recording, I don't say it's episode Anything twenty-seven. About it.
0: Right, that's awesome. Well, this has been awesome. I keep saying that word. Incredible, I guess, is another one. I've really enjoyed interviewing you. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, we always end out the show with plugs. So, where can people find you? Like, what is your if you have a Twitter and Instagram? I can podcast. be found mostly
1: at home. <laughs> yeah. It's basically where. Sure. I started.
0: <laughs> Everyone, go to David's home. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: No, uh, of course, Davidrace.com. You can't, you know, Davidrace.com. You find everything about me there, and from there, you you find your way to my Instagram, uh, which I think is like, uh, I think my Instagram is real David Race, and I think my Twitter is real David Race. Yeah, they're both real David Race. So those, and then of course, uh, MonstrosityPodcast.com has all the links to the Monstrosity stuff, which it has a Twitter and a Facebook and an Instagram and all that.
0: Awesome, cool. Thank you so much, David. I really appreciate it. Find us on the places you get podcasts and subscribe. Visit our website at realchillspodcast.com Follow us on Instagram at Real Chills Podcast. Do you know someone who should be on Real Chills? Is that person you? Go to realchillspodcast.com Podcast.com and tell us more. Special thanks to Valerie Jamamber McShane. Artwork by Libby Rondell. Music by Sam Williamson. Real Chills Podcast is produced by Meg Getz and Alyssa Truskowski. This has been a presentation from the Wasted
1: Robot Network. For more information, and links to other shows please visit www.wastedrobotrecords.com podcasts.